Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Hey, good morning, everybody, and happy Labor Day weekend. Today I'm here to tell you that you don't have to pray a long prayer for God to hear you. In fact, a short prayer can produce a powerful result. God is worthy of our worship. It's an honor to worship with you today as we bring it close to our series, The Armor of God. Uh, Next weekend, we're going to begin a new series. I want to tell you about it this weekend. We're calling it Your Work Matters to God. The premise of this series is that everybody works. Can I get a better amen somebody? Like if you've got a job, obviously this may be news to you, but you have to work. Uh, if, you're, um, if you're in the home, there's a lot of work in the home. If you're a student, you've got a lot of work to do in school as a student. Even if you're retired, you still have work to do. So much of life is work. It's maintenance, it's earning, it's education and errands and problem solving and laundry and email and laundry and commuting and laundry and on and on and on. So we're going to do a series on God's perspective on work and discover why work matters so much to God because, friend, God wants you to succeed in your life. God wants you to succeed in your job, at your job, in your career uh, as a parent who wants you to succeed as a student and make it through. So next week, uh, we'll begin this series. In week one, we'll look at staying motivated in your work, that God gives us motivations uh, for work and why he created work, and those reasons can keep us motivated in our work. Week two, we're going to talk about worshiping through your work. I'm excited to show you a connection in scripture between work and worship, even the words work and worship how they go together. Week three will be raising the next generation and week four when you feel like giving up. And maybe you're in a season of discouragement lately or confused and I'm confident that this series will encourage you and build you up. Uh, But let's finish strong with our series today. I got this note recently. It says, thank you so much for the series on the armor of God. It's been so helpful on helping me understand what God has provided for me to stand against the devil's schemes. And it's helping me to also be more aware of his attacks, his attacks and what he uses. The note finishes out saying the victory is in the Lord. Amen. So today on the first half of your notes, I don't know if I've done this before, but I just put a series recap that because each week we answered the same questions. What is it? How does it protect me? How do I put it on? I put it all in one place for you. We started out in Ephesians chapter 6 where it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
So what are the devil's schemes? And we listed out, here are the schemes of the devil, how he works to blind minds and steal God's word and works to discourage and seduces people into error. He tempts people to sin. The power and the presence of God, though, of Christ Jesus, destroys the work of the devil, the schemes of the enemy. And we said, while battles are guaranteed, which, hello, I don't know a single person who makes it through life without some battles, without some struggles, without some temptations, without some hardship. While battles are guaranteed, victory is possible in Jesus' name. And these verses tell us that what is victory, if you're taking notes, victory is standing at the end. Victory is making it through to the other side and say, I'm still standing. And you might have fallen down along the way, but you can be standing at the end by the grace of Jesus Christ and make it through to the other side. How are we going to do that? Well, because this battle is not against flesh and blood, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then that became our outline for the whole series. And we walked through and asked each week, I put, this is what I put in your notes, of truth. What is truth? It's what God says. Truth keeps us from being tripped up by our temptations. And we talked about the Apostle John, known for his writings on truth, writing on love. He says it's nothing until those two come together. I choose when I put on truth when I choose to act in love toward others. Righteousness is being made right before God. Righteousness protects the heart from Satan's schemes. So we looked at that World War II veteran in the Bible uh, stopping that shrapnel and just in the same way that God's grace and being made right with him protects our hearts. And I put it on when I hunger for righteousness, when I offer myself to God. Don't, don't listen to your body, offer your body. And then peace, peace is Christ ruling in my life. Peace protects me from panic. And I put it on, and Pastor Tom says, when I said, when I dwell on Christ, and I pray uh, to Christ, when I thank uh, God, when I think about Christ. Next is faith. We brought faith is very simple. It's trusting in God's promises. And faith extinguishes Satan's flaming darts. I take it up when I focus on God's faithfulness. And then salvation. Salvation is being rescued. Salvation protects me from the penalty, the power, and presence of sin in my life. And I take it up when I think about the cross. And then last week, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. It cuts the truth into me so I can cut the truth into the enemy. I take it up when I get near the word of God and when I say the word of God. But then... Paul, the apostle who's writing this, he goes to one more thing. So we could finish the series there, put a bow on it, be a solid series. 
But he goes one more place after this where he says, and one more thing, verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, may be, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Praying in the Spirit. Spirit-led prayers. Praying in the power of the Spirit by the leading of God according to His will. You see, prayer is not a, it's not a ceremony with a bunch of rules and regulations and restrictions and like you've got to just do it a certain way or it doesn't count. A lot of things like that in life. Uh, you know, one of the things I think of is if you've ever had to drive a bus or get like a CDL license or uh, get approved or a license for hauling certain trailers, you know that that process is, is very involved. And there are step-by-step instructions. And when you go to get tested to get that a license or to get that approval, you've got to uh, not only make sure certain things are checked and check the tires and your surroundings and your, and your mirrors and make all these different adjustments and pull on all these different things and do all of that. Not only do you have to do all that, you have to do it all in the right order and the correct order. Or they fail you and you don't make it. And a lot of people think the prayer is like that. Like, I got to do these right things in this right order or it doesn't count. But prayer is not a ceremony. It's a conversation. Prayer is not a monologue. It's not a speech. It's not a poem. It's not an essay. It's about what's going on in your life and what's going on in, from God's perspective. And many people say, the number one thing I hear back as a pastor about prayer is people say, I try to pray, but then I just get too distracted. And I think about all the other things going on in my life. I try to pray and I think about this thing my kid's going through. And I try to pray and I think about the bills that need to be paid. And I try to pray and I think about uh, this conflict that I'm in. And I like to respond and say, friend, the distractions are the point. The distractions that you're facing, where your mind goes when it's in neutral is the things that you need to be praying about. The things that you think about are the things you ought to pray about. And when you start only praying about the things that you think you ought to pray about, that you should pray about, is when it becomes an obligation, when it becomes drudgery. And as soon as prayer becomes, I should pray, I ought to pray, I have to pray, I don't pray. And once you get into that trap, you're not going to want to pray because guilt motivation only lasts as about as long as guilt lasts. God is interested in everything you're interested in. And God listens to prayers that are simple and sincere, God listens to prayers that they don't have to have flowery language and fancy phrases. And the only condition is that it's faith-filled and, and it's sincere. It's authentic. 
You don't have to address God in a, a prayer voice. And like, you know, people that the, the only time that voice comes out is in prayer. It's like the only time you hear that, oh, thou great potentate of the universe, who thou who dost wonderfully bestow and beseeched blessings. And God's going, huh? Like, what do you want? What's going on? I think God would say to a lot of people, why? I didn't come from England. He would say, why are you speaking in hundreds-year-old English? I'm not from England. And sometimes the most sincere prayer is the most powerful. It doesn't have to be super spiritual sounding. God hears, listens to the prayers that are sincere and simple. They're real. They're gutsy. They're honest. You don't have to bring the same request over and over and over again and phrase it nine different ways, nine different times. Why? Because longer is not necessarily stronger. You might write that down. In prayer, longer is not stronger. A prayer can simply be, Lord, my dear friend is going into surgery tomorrow. Would you help them? Would you duplicate their rest tonight so their body's built up and they're fortified? Help the doctors not make any mistakes and give them a quick recovery. May they have minimal pain. I'm asking you this in Jesus' name, not the name of any other God or any other motive. Not in my name. I'm asking in Jesus' name. Amen. Longer is not stronger. Sincere, simple, humble, authentic, those kind of prayers. Now, it doesn't mean long is weak either. My point is that the time frame, the length, is not what makes it powerful or not. Because my heart goes out to the person who says, I've got my job and kids and two toddlers running around and how in the world could I pray for 30 minutes or an hour that someone would say, man, I'm going through the great tribulation right now and maybe things aren't going well. And, and you say, is it because I'm not praying right? Is it because I'm not praying long enough? Where there is strength, and praying short prayers, meaningful prayers, all day long, rather than focusing on all the distractions and all the problems. Let's look at a verse together. Habakkuk 3, verse 1. This is a prayer of uh, the prophet, prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet in Shiganoth, and then here it gives the prayer. It's all right here on this screen. Lord, I have heard of your fame, I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. And then we get God's response to this. That was the whole thing. And we get God's response to uh, that 30-word prayer. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Thirty words. Repeat them in our day. Lord, do it again. Revive your works. I've seen you do it before. I know you're a God of glory and power. Israel has backslid. We need an awakening. We need something to hit again. Repeat them in our day. And he simply prayed 30 words. Short prayers often have an urgency that long prayers do not contain. Something about the passion 
moves God and moves heaven. Maybe you're like me. If you're a parent, you know your kids' yells. Like I know my boys, when they cry for help and they yell for help, maybe I'm inside, they're in the backyard. I know when a yell for help is they want me to come swing them on the swing and push them. I also know when a yell for help is help, I've got my leg wrapped around the chain of the swing and I'm upside down and I can't get out of it on my own. I know just from help, I know the difference. And if I heard help that I knew was help, I can't get out of this on my own, I'd stop what I would, if I heard it right now, I'd stop preaching and go help. And this minor prophet, hidden away in the Old Testament, prays 30 passionate words, and it says, God came from Teman. Now, God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. But if you want the presence of God in your life, if you want the weightiness of God, the glory of God, to feel his presence, to know his meaningfulness, it comes from being conscious of him and asking in faith. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Perrin. God will come from where he is to where prayer is. God will move from where he is to where prayer is. That's why you need prayer with the armor. That, it, that's why this armor is not nothing without the presence of God, without the power of God. All right, so God came from Teman. What is Teman? It's this horseshoe uh, ridge, mountainous ridge. You've got Teman and Mount Perrin, and the description is similar to what God did at Mount Sinai where it's lit with the fire, the glory of God, fire and shaking. Moses goes up, comes down. They have to veil his face. It's shining with the glory of God. God's finger comes out of the darkness, writes the Ten Commandments. And Habakkuk says, we just don't have the fire anymore, God. Like families aren't on fire for God. And he prays this passionate prayer and God says, I'm going to him. I'm going to find him. Where's the man that prayed this passionate prayer? If you're taking notes, short prayers can produce profound results. God will uphold you, help you, make it to the end. Let's just look at some short prayers in the Bible. Elijah prays a 60-word prayer in 1 Kings 18, and fire comes down from heaven and the people saw it, and revival came to Israel. Not when Elijah prayed for three days. When he prayed a 60-word, faith-filled, confident, passionate prayer. Peter's one-sentence healing prayer in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are going uh, to the temple in the afternoon for a... So that's quite a phone ring right there. Uh, going to the temple in the afternoon for a prayer meeting. And a lame man, a crippled man, uh, stops them and asks Peter for money. And Peter says, look at me. He says, I have silver and gold I do not have for you. But then gives a one-sentence healing prayer in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. And that they didn't take the lame man into the prayer meeting. It was just one short prayer. He's healed. He goes running into the temple. Paul 
14-word command. 14-word command in Jesus' name. And a demon-possessed woman who was fortune-telling and having seances, and she was a slave. She's making a lot of money for her owner through these uh, fortunes and seances. And Paul gets so exasperated with her, or with the demon, that he says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And 14-word command, she's freed. Hezekiah gets a word from the prophet Hezekiah's sick. The prophet says, you're not going to make it out of this illness alive. This is it for you. And Hezekiah uh, just breaks down in humility and turns and puts his face against the wall and prays not for 15 months, not for 15 days, not for 15 hours. He prays 22 words and God says, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears and I'm giving you 15 more years of life. The prayer of Jabez, one of the most famous prayers in scripture. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. The disciples, they come to Jesus and they say, "Uh, Jesus, we have never seen or heard anyone pray like you pray. Would you teach us how to pray? And he turns to them And he says, before he gives the prayer, he says, first of all, don't use your prayers to show off. Says the religious people pray in public. They do it for show. Uh, They get their reward from people. That's why their prayers aren't answered because they get all they wanted from the people. So don't go out in public and blabber on just between you and God. And then he gives them an example of a prayer that's 53 words long. Now, he didn't pray that prayer in English, so based on how it's translated into English, uh, it's somewhere between 51 and 68 words. That's the Lord's Prayer. He didn't say, here's volumes on prayer for you to go study and work through. He said, you pray through these things in your way, you're going to touch every part of your life and be aligned with the will of God. It's a passionate prayer, a purposeful heart. You know, Jesus had three years of his public ministry to get his mission done, to fulfill all the prophecy, to be the Lamb of God, save the world. I would think that every minute would count uh, in, in that time span. Yet he was interrupted over and over. He's on his way somewhere. A woman comes with an issue of blood. She says, if I could just touch the hem of his garment... And when that happened, they're pushing through the crowd. They're going through. He and the disciples, all this commotion. He says, hold everything. And turns to that woman and says, the faith you demonstrated has healed you. He didn't turn to her and say, okay, now now pray. Now say this. Now go through this. This is your faith. The faith you demonstrated has healed you. So, when you get up for the day, and if you say, man, I can't remember the last time I, I prayed a sincere prayer, passionate prayer. I can't remember the last time I prayed. When you get up for the day tomorrow, try this. God, thank you for this day. You're the reason I'm alive for it. You're sustaining me. I ask you to order my steps. I thank you for the armor of God. I don't know what's going to happen today, but you do. And I'm open to you guiding me and leading me and correcting me. 
you might say, that's not spiritual enough. If you mean it, if you're passionate, if you're faith-filled, see if a simple prayer doesn't produce a profound result there. Blind Bartimaeus, you know I, li- I love blind Bartimaeus, preached on him several times. He cried out, it says he cried out eight words in Mark 10. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus and his disciples and their entourage and all the followers are pushing through, going through the crowd, going through the street, move along, Messiah is coming, and he cries out eight words, and Jesus stops and heals him. I I tell you, we are making this too complicated, and some of you need to the fire and the passion to say, God, I need you in my family again. I don't know how else to say it. Lord, my small group needs you. I need you in my life. I need you to move in me again and cry out to Jesus. And Jesus will move from where he is to where prayer is. The thief on the cross prayed nine words. And we get one of the seven statements from Jesus. Jesus on the cross, a big moment, his purpose on Calvary, conquering death and the grave, dying for billions and billions and billions of people, taking on every sin, every negative thing, every sin committed into his spirit, his body, being forsaken by God. People are writing down what he's able to get out on the cross and it becomes the statements from the cross, the most powerful words spoken in history, seven statements. One of them is not even there if this guy doesn't say a prayer that Jesus responds to. And one thief in this moment, in this gigantic moment, the sinless son of God denies Jesus, curses Jesus, and that thief goes into eternity lost. But when Jesus hears a nine-word, sincere, passionate prayer in the midst of everything going on, the, the temple veil being torn, the darkness, hell, the grave being overcome, Jesus hears that nine-word prayer and says, hold everything. I know this man can't do anything for me. He can't get off this cross and go convert one person he can't go and be generous he can't go and accomplish one thing he can't go and do anything but his faith is saving him right now what does it take to be moved by God to be saved it's nothing you can do God says I'm doing it it's all grace it's all faith it's all mercy it's all a miracle and that prayer in Luke 23 The thief says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And we get one of the statements from Jesus on the cross. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And if you come with sincerity, he can save you. All the work, all the word, all the words done in pride, in hope, in trying to balance the scale, in trying to make things right, those cannot save you. What moves God to save someone is sincere faith. And so I hope as we leave this series and we have the armor of God that you would take up a spirit of prayer and praying in the spirit. You know, it used to be said, I heard growing up, why worry when you can pray? 
Why worry when you could pray? I feel like now the saying is, well, why pray about that when you could worry? (laughs) Why pray about that? Isn't there a podcast on that? Why pray about that? Isn't there an article on that? Why pray about that? Can't somebody do something about that? You will either be a worrier or a warrior. You pray passionate, short prayers in your truck, in your office, in your school. Short prayer over your family, over your friends, over your kids, over your parents. You receive a spirit of prayer. So this week, church this week, someday this week, you put your hand on your wife's shoulder and you say, God, we don't know what to expect today, but I know that you're working in her life and I know you're going to do something powerful in her life today and I lift you up to her. We don't know what to expect, but you do. So I'm entrusting my wife to you today. And see if a short prayer doesn't produce a profound result there. To just before your husband leaves or whatever, God, I pray that you would bless my husband today. I love him. You love him even more than I do. And I pray that you give him a great day. We don't know what to expect today, but you know what's coming. And I entrust my husband into your hands. See if a Short prayer doesn't produce a profound result. Before your kids jump out to go in school, you just put your hand on them. God, I pray that they would know and sense your love today in every moment, that they would remember you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, and you send them off to school. You go up to your parents, you put your hand on their shoulder and say, God, I thank you for my parents. I know they've got a lot of concerns and worries, but I pray that you would ease their mind and give them peace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And see if a short prayer doesn't produce a profound result. God, I thank you for my small group leader. I know that they didn't have time to clean their house this week, and I know they didn't have time for all this, but I thank you for their leadership and that they love us enough to do this, and I pray you bless the rest of their week. And see if a short prayer doesn't produce a profound result. Here's the question I leave you with. Will I be a worrier or a warrior? I've got the armor. Will I be a worrier or a warrior? Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we've heard of your fame, and we stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. Lord, in wrath, remember mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.